So I'm Jeff. I'm one of the pastors. I'm uh, man, fired up about this sermon series. Were you here last week? Some of you guys got to be here last week. We started this series. We're talking about love, and it's so good. We were like going, apparently the world, uh, love does make the world go round. We're celebrating love. Love is a sweet idea. Love is, love is God's idea, and we're going to celebrate it. We're going to celebrate it as we talk about it. We're going to talk about our love for God, uh, and that's this morning. We're talking about God's love for us. We're talking about marriage in the month of February. We're going to talk about dating. We're going to talk about loving your kids. We're going to talk about loving your enemies and your boss. We're going to talk about love, and we're going to celebrate it because love is so fun and so great. We're going we're gonna, to, did you hear the walk-in song? We're going to have great walk-in songs. You know, we got this little cover song they do before worship starts. That's pretty sweet. We're going to have fun with that. We're going to have music and video clips, and we're going to cheer on the cheesy movie video clips whenever we see a cheesy movie. But we're celebrating love. This is this, this series that we're doing. We're doing it on love, and we're celebrating love and all things love because it was God's idea. Come on now, give me an amen for that. It's so good, and uh, so you don't want to miss the surprises we have in store for this, uh, this series on love. Um, this morning, uh, we're going to go back to the uh, a sermon text that we talked about last week, where Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment? And Jesus' answer was, the most important thing is that you love God. And the second is, love your neighbor as yourself. Let's just read that text very quickly, and then, oh, well, here, well, before we do that, so there you go, you got my sermon title up there. What does loving God look like? When Jesus, in the text we're about to read, says the single most important thing, the whole law is summed up in this, you love God, we got to ask the question, what does loving God look like? We kind of know or think we know what the loving human thing looks like. Looks like Jerry Maguire. That looks like you complete me. It looks like you had me at hello. It looks like Here's looking at you, kid. It looks like all the, we think we know what human love is about, but when we talk or when Jesus says the most important commandment is you love God, we go, I don't know how to do, I'm not sure I know what that means. I know how to love my spouse. I know how to love my kid. I know how to love cheeseburgers. I'm not sure where the God fits into that whole thing. So what does it look like is what we're going to look at today. Let's look at the text from Mark chapter 12. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating and noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind and all of your strength. And then he goes on to add, and the second one is a lot like this one. It's love your neighbor as yourself. And then Another place where Jesus is recorded saying this in Matthew, he says, all of the law and the prophets hang on these two things. This is the deal. When asked, what's the most important commandment? Jesus goes, you got to go love God. So in our beginning of our love series, we got to figure out what does it mean then? And what does it look like to love God? Because I'm not sure uh, I know exactly what it is that he's talking about. Jesus' answer is, about what does it look like to love God is embedded right in Jesus' answer to this guy because he parses these words and he says, you love God and you love him with what? All of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. So already there's a beginning definition. There's an unfolding of what this must mean for us that we would love God, the single most important thing. It's these four things. And so we're going to kind of parse some of those and see what that looks like. But here's sort of the clue, friends. Here's sort of the theme. This is about, Jesus says, it's about loving God with every part of you. 
That's where he's going. He's not going to say, listen, you got to love God, and it's really four, there's four things you got to know. So this is and this isn't a four-part sermon. It's really about saying you love God with every part of you. Do you hear that? So if you miss any of the other stuff I'm saying, you'll, you'll, it, it'll be an awful half hour for you. But you'll get that point, which is this is about loving God with every part of us, is Jesus' idea. You're going to love God with all of you. See, some of us love God with the pitter-patter of the love songs we sing to him in worship. And some of us love God by digging in and studying scripture. And some of us love God by serving God. But we kind of judge ourselves and then we judge other people about which way is the best way to love God. And the answer is all of them. We love God with every part of us. And this is an important thing to start with because you kind of get a sense when we say, boy, go love God, you, you instantaneously go into some natural mode for you. And for some people, that's, that's heart and desire. For some of you, it's mind and thinking and critical and study. For some of you, it's serving and hands-on and dirt under your fingernails. But to start with here, Jesus goes, yeah, you're, it's the most important thing, love God. But you do it with every part of you, all of it. So let's go in and see more of what these things are talking about. So first thing he says, of course, love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Heart. The heart is, the definition of this word is exactly what we think that it would be. It's got these ideas of passion and excitement and desire and delight and warm fuzzies and feelings, emotions. This is about emotions. Heart for sure is about emotions. Any heart people in the room? Who loves the heart? Come on. Okay, put your hand down if you're a woman. You complete me, Art. That's why. <laughs> yeah, some of us are hard people, but this is what this word is about. We love it with all these feelings and passions and, 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 and excitement and all that kind of stuff. But there's also this idea, and I have it up on the screen there, there's also this idea of resolve. There's this idea of determination. There's this idea of choices. Of, of, so it's not just volition. I mean, sorry, it's not just emotion, but it's volition. It's also about will and purpose. And, and, and determination. Did you know that's also part of this idea of heart biblically? Love the Lord your God with all of your emotion, but also with all of your will, with all of your volition. It's super important to understand this relationship between emotion and volition, between desire and resolve when it comes to the heart. Because when you read in the scriptures, it isn't always about feeling when it talks about the heart. It's also about conviction. It's about choices. Again, it's about resolve. Like as in David had in his heart to build a temple for the Lord. Now, most English translations translate that mind. That's how close, that's the word heart, but the English translation to try to make sense of it for our language translates it mind. That's how close these two concepts are. Not mind like intellect, like facts, but mind like resolve, like will, like purpose, like determination, intentionality. So the emotion and the intentionality are mixed together in this idea of heart. It's a spiral, friends, of desire and resolve. Now, I love that phrase because I made it up. I really like it. But it's a spiral of desire and resolve. Does that work for you? Because this is what, what happens in the Scriptures. This is what Jesus was, in fact, well, let, me, let me say this. This is the phrase. If loving God with all my heart is going to say this, it's going to say, I uh, what did I say? I know, not that. Give me that next, next, next slide, guys, so I can see what it says. There it is. 
I feel you are, and I choose you to be the thing of greatest desire, uh, sorry, greatest value. Do you see that? I, loving God says, I feel you are, desire, emotion, and I choose you to be. That's volition, resolve, the thing of greatest value. See, this is what Jesus was talking about in the Sermon on the Mount when he said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Think about what that phrase means, Jesus said. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Remember he was saying, don't store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Uh, sorry, earth, where moth and rust destroy, thieves can steal stuff. Don't store up for yourselves treasures there. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Then he says, for where your treasure is, your heart will be. Where you've stored up treasure, where you've made investments, where you've determined value, listen church, where you said that's of great value to me, where you have resolved and invested, then your heart will follow. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And so we have this spiral of desire and resolve because we think loving God is all about feeling it. But friends, that is awfully difficult for a God of the universe to command you to have an emotion and have it more. How do you obey that command? We determine and place our treasure and resolve what is of significance and of importance to us. And when we do that, our heart follows. Do you know that? Do you know that that's how it works in life? Wherever you have placed your value, your treasure, your investment, your determination, wherever you have done that, then your heart starts to follow it. Everywhere it works that way in our lives. You don't have feelings for stuff willy-nilly, at least not for very long. It's never just about emotion. It's emotion and volition. It's the spiral of desire and resolve. See, this has happened in everything that is important to me. It happened in baseball. Matt, my baseball buddy, my A's buddy, listen, it happened in baseball. I had some desire about baseball. I got all infatuated, went to a couple games with my dad, had all those warm fuzzies about baseball, loved it, loved the smell of the grass, loved the look at it. I'm a typical baseball fan who loves that idea of the whole baseball idea. But what happens is I started to give myself to it. I started to study. I started to read and understand stats. I started to follow the players. I met a few players because some of them lived in my neighborhood in Oakland when I was growing up. And all of a sudden, I started valuing these relationships and my players and my team and what was going on and the details. I started valuing all of it, and my heart followed it. But here this, here's the spiral. Listen, as I valued it more, I felt more for it, and as I felt more for it, I made more investments into it, wouldn't I? And as I made more investments, my treasure was there, then my heart followed. And the more my heart was there, the more I put treasure in it. And the more that happens in everything in our lives. It's happened in my relationship with my wife. At the beginning, there were these desires. <laughs> That's February. You do not want to miss February, by the way. We're doing a month on marriage. Um, there was this desire. But friends, we were not born into bliss, Linda and I. Hello? Anybody want to be honest? You complete me, honey. Which means you're opposite of me. Which means you're profoundly irritating. No, so that's the deal. So, 
So there's these desires at first, but then somewhere along the line, out of that desire, you say, that is valuable to me, and I resolve to put my heart here. I I resolve to invest here. I resolve, I'm determined to live a life of marriage, and I've given myself to it. And when you give yourself to something, your heart follows it. You with me on that? And so my heart would follow, and as my heart got invested more in this relationship, and I treasured her more, then I had more feelings, and the more feelings I have, the more I invest in that relationship. And this is why she's the best wife ever anywhere, because that's exactly what happened over time, is that we spun, I was just trying to make up for the, the irritating comment. We, we invested, and we got in this spiral of resolve and desire. It's exactly the same way in my relationship with God. We were not born to bliss. It's hard to love a God that you can't see, that sometimes you can't understand, that often you can't figure him out. It's, you, it's hard. When your whole view of, of who God is comes through like a parent who isn't healthy or a, a pastor who lets down the church, or like how, how do you just look? But we resolve to say this is important. This God who created me and called me and saved me, this is important. And I'm going to put my treasure here. I'm going to invest in it. And I resolve to give my life to this God. When that happens, friends, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And the more feelings, the more heart, the more passion, the more excitement, the more some of those words we have for God, then the more we invest in it. And then the more we invest in it, the more feelings we have. That's what it looks like to love God with all of our heart. It's the spiral of of emotion and volition, of desire and of resolve. So what does that look like? It looks like, friends, getting in touch with our feelings, but also getting in touch with what we know to be of value and what we resolve to be true about ourselves with God. When we come and sing worship songs, we don't expect that you're going to have this overwhelming emotional experience. We think your emotions will be a part of it, but we're calling you to be a part of this. This is just an illustration, right, these songs? Because part of heart, we think, is you know we're supposed to feel emotions in singing. Well, I'm just giving you this as an example. When you come, we're saying, will you resolve that the things we're singing about are true and should be true about one's heart and about God's goodness and about us serving Him and giving our lives to Him and about how great God is? We say, this is true, God. And we give ourselves to that truth. And when my heart's there, then my feelings start to follow. So we're not asking, did you have an emotional experience? We're asking, did you resolve? that those things are true and the words coming out of your mouth are things you want to be true in your life and that you want to be more true in your life and that are true about God whether you felt it or not. And friends, people who do that out of obedience and faithfulness to God, their heart follows and they love God from the emotions too. It's both. But we worked that through. I'm sitting over here singing that song, Oh, how he loves us. I love that song. I'm singing that song. It's so great. I'm singing that song and then I go, Dang, I'm glad I got new shoes. Those other ones were so worn out. <laughs> and I'm like, these two look pretty good. Those really, I didn't know, not know how bad those other ones were for a while. You know, and you guys are all into the Lord. Okay? If that's not you 22 times during that first half hour, you're not normal. <laughs> but I come back and I go, no, no, no. I resolve that this is true, that this is the cry of my heart. I'm going to say words now to you, God, that I don't naturally feel, but I want them to come out of my mouth because I want them to be true and they are true and I want them to be more true. Do you not do that in every relationship you have? Okay, you with me on all that? I'm going to move on. The spiral of desire and resolve. That's what it looks like to love God with all of our heart. Oh, I've got to tell you this one part, though, about this. He says, all 
your heart. He says all about all of them. But if I had double the time to preach, I'd go down this road. All of your heart. Go home this week and look up in a concordance the word jealous in your Bible. For God says, I am a jealous God. In fact, he says, my name is jealous. It is my identity. What does that mean? I looked it up in Webster's. It means he is intolerant of rivalry, apprehensive of the loss of another's exclusive devotion. That is God jealous for our heart that we give it to him and him alone. We put our treasure in heaven and then our heart follows. Loving God with our heart. Second thing, love God with all of your soul. Loving God with all of your soul. This is what soul is. Soul is our identity. It's the real me. Soul is the word for our identity, the real me. In Genesis, if you were to read this, the creation story, Genesis 2, God, uh, the scripture says that God created man. He gathered the dust of the earth and he created a, a, a human being, a, a man out of this. He created a, a human out of this dust. And then he breathed his life into him and that dust, that form, man became, and the words in our English Bible says, a living being. And the word there, friends, is soul. Some of your translations would say this. So in other words, God took dirt. He took a, 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 a form. He took something very earthy and he breathed his life in and now it was a soul. You see, your soul is your true God-given identity. Your soul, you're, 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 you are not your body. You are not the roles that you play. You are not the definitions that you give yourself. You are a soul. We don't have a soul we are a soul, it says in scriptures. And so that is your true life that has been breathed into you from God. Do you hear that? It's life that comes from God. So it signifies our true identity as a creation of a loving God who's intimate with us, who has a call in our lives, who has given us a life to live, who has called us into this time and in this place. The body is not the real me. It's ashes to ashes and dust to dust. It's the dirt. It's the life that God breathed in. That was my name before eternity, and that is my gifts, and that is my calling, and that is all the days ordained for me before one of them ever came to be. This is the me, the real me. And so when we come to the soul, we say, what does loving God with my soul look like? Loving God with my soul says, I will be the real me with you. I will be the real me with you. I won't be a shell of me. I won't be a caricature of me. I won't be a, a, a copier of my neighbor. I will be the me that you breathe into me. My identity, my true identity, my eternal identity, the one that will live forever. I will be the real me with you. Now, I, I, don't, I, I don't mean to mean just this, but, but I mean this too. I'll be authentic with you for sure. The real me. I'm going to be authentic. How could we afford not to be authentic with a personal God who created us, knows us, knows every thought in our heads, knows every thought before we think it, knows every word that comes out of our mouths, knows every act, part of every day's action. Like how, how, how would we not be authentic with that God? My friends, the scriptures tell us that God can handle your authenticity and your honesty. He can handle who you really are because he already knows it, okay? Let's everybody just let go of that, you know, bondage we put ourselves in when we forget that, think we're faking God out. 
So it means authenticity, the real me, but it means more than that. It means that instead of being a shell, instead of being just a body, instead of being something that's taking up space, ready for this? It is my true identity, my destiny is the real me. The God-given destiny, what God called me to actually be in this place at this time in my life. That's what we love God with. We love God with our destiny. This is where Jesus' words make so much sense in Matthew 16 where he said, listen, whoever wants to save his life, and the word their life is the word soul. And maybe your Bible has this word soul. Whoever wants to save his soul will lose it. In other words, whoever wants to try to figure out how to live his own life, uh, create his own identity, be the master of who he really is, Whoever wants to save his life, make your own life out of your world. Make your, whoever wants to save his soul will lose it. But whoever gives up his life, loses his life for my sake, will find it. For what will it benefit you, the scripture says, if you gain the whole world but forfeit what? Your soul. You cannot gain everything and give up who you really are and what you were destined to be. Your daily walking in obedience to the God who created you by the, the salvation that he provided through Christ and the power of his Holy Spirit in you, your daily walking with that God is your destiny. You are the only you created in your world for such a time as this. That's you. And Jesus said, you love the Lord your God with all that you. What does that look like? It looks like getting in touch with what we were really on earth to do and not getting lost in anything else. The illustration I gave this morning, and don't tell him he's at work, friends, Tommy, my son Tommy is my illustration right now. He's not here today. My son Tommy's 17 years old. He's trying to figure out what his identity is. Right? Remember that? We're all still trying to figure it out. <laughs> Got to figure it out, Joe? Got that figured out? We're all trying to figure out our identity. But when you're 17, it's a crucial time because you're like, who am I? Am I the funny guy? Am I the athlete? Am I the smart guy? Am I the dumb guy? Am I the mess up? Am I the cute boy? What am I? What am I? We try on all those identities for size. And my son is trying to figure that out. And the other day, looking at his Facebook page, and when I saw that list of lives in Novato, goes to San Marin High School, one of the ways he identified himself was man of God. And I'm unspeakably proud of him to go public in public school with who he wants to be. I give you that example not to brag on my... Well, yes, I do. I am bragging on my kid. <laughs> I give you that example not to brag on my kid, but to tell you, listen, if a 17-year-old can say, I will not be just the athlete. I will not be the guy who gets all the laughs. I will not be a guy who's a lazy, lazy video game player. Like, I, I... This is my identity. There's only one you, friends. One you destined for your life for such a time as this. And we love God by living that out and nothing less than that. We got to get in touch with where's he got me and how do I live that out? That's what it looks like. Third one, 
And we'll zoom through these. Love the Lord your God with all of your mind. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. The mind is critical reasoning, clear thinking, understanding, knowing what is true. That's what these words are. Mind is about knowing the truth, reasoning. And it isn't just, this is actually this word that Jesus used, love him with all your mind. He meant, he, he said, love him with all your critical mind. The word he used is sort of a hyper mind. It's like a more, it's not just mind, it's like love him with your, I mean, with all of your mind. The word literally means both sides of your mind. What it means is you look, you be committed to looking at truth from every direction. Isn't that good? You look at all sides of it. I mean, you don't just understand the facts. You understand the essence of the truth. That's essentially what Jesus is saying. Don't just get the facts. You understand the essence of the truth from every angle. So when we say, love God with, I'm going to love God with all my mind, we're saying, I will steep myself in what is true about you, God, and about me. I will steep myself in what is true about you. I will understand it from every facet. I will bring all of my questions and all of my doubt and all, all of my, my, my uh, angst, and I will steep myself in who you are and what this life is all about. That's how I'm going to love God with my mind. Some of us, you guys, think that the opposite is true, that loving God is, you know, the proverbial checking your mind at the door. Well, I don't want to ask all the hard questions. So I might expose something. The opposite is true. He goes, you bring it. Because you're supposed to understand the truth from every angle. How does that not, of course, please a personal God who created us and said, you come know me. You come know the reality of who I am and the depth of who I am and the beauty of who I am and the wisdom of who I am and all of my plans and how life works. You come know it. And you bring all those questions. Isn't that free for some of us that are thinkers? That's how we love God with all of our mind. He, he, he said through the prophet Jeremiah, let not the wise man boast of his wisdom or the rich man boast of his riches or the strong man boast of his strength, but let him who boasts boast about this, that he understands and knows me that I'm the Lord and that I exercise. This is what I am. I exercise kindness and justice and righteousness on the earth for in these I delight. He said that's the guy who needs to boast that he understands who I am and what I do. That's how we love God with all of our mind. And that truth, friends, that truth becomes transformative. Think, remember what Paul said to the Romans in, in Romans chapter 12? He said, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be, re, uh, be transformed by what? The renewing, do you know it? Of your mind. When we steep in the truth, then our lives change. What does that look like? It looks like doing the hard word of considering, reflecting, and asking, reasoning, and dialoguing, and listening, and doubting, and getting answers to our questions. It's doing the hard work. We become experts in God's word, which is primarily the place we get uh, God revealed to us. We become experts in God's word. That's why I use the word steeped, because I've used that in other contexts to say, are we steeping in God's word, letting us, uh, it affect us and what we know to be true about God and life and ourselves? When we live in falsehood and misunderstanding about the person of God, about his character, about our world, about the way humans work, about the salvation in Christ, about what obedience looks like. When we live in ignorance or misunderstanding, we dishonor God, but we love him when we've looked at it from every angle and we know the truth. 
The best gift I ever got, how this looks to me, is that then every day you get in your word, you get in the Bible, and you get with a group of people who talk deeply and reflect and think and ask questions. We live like that. you got to live like that. The best gift I ever received was a college community that did that. And guys who said, hey, why don't we memorize God's word? Let's mem- let's, why don't we memorize the book of Philippians together? And, you know, who's going to be like, yeah, I don't love God enough to do that. I know. You go, okay, because you're young and all. And so much of God's word has gotten now steeped in me 30 years later that I can't help. I can't help but to be drawn back to scriptures and to be reflecting on God's wisdom and God's truth all the time. Invest ourselves in the truth and in the, uh, the reflection on that truth. That's how we love God with all of our mind. Love the God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and then last, with all your strength. Love God with all your strength. And of course, strength is what it says. And uh, it, it is your abilities, your gifts, but it's also your faithfulness and your obedience. It's bringing your strength. It's cowboying up and doing the right thing with everything that you have in you. All your talents, all your wisdom, all your gifts and all that, but just also with your brute strength. That's what that's about. That's what it's supposed to mean. He's all, you bring your strength to the table. When you know the thing that God has for you to do, then you man up and you do it. That's what this feel is in this thing. Come bring your strength. So loving God with all my strength says this, God, whatever I have, I bring. I will not hold back. Whatever I have, I bring. How much of our strength is required, friends? All of it. And no less. We never shortchange God. We bring our strength to the table. How much of our strength is required? All of it, and no less. But listen, and no more. No more is required of us, friends, than all the strength that we have or that we happen to have. See, we can get up here and say cowboy up and all that kind of stuff, and that's true, and let's do that. But the thing about the Scriptures is when it talks about God's strength, when it talks about strength, it doesn't ever talk about our strength. It mostly talks about God's strength. He goes, look at it. If you go teach, teach with the, with the words God provides. If you speak, speak with the words God provides. If you encourage, encourage with the encouragement God provides. Paul said to the, to the church, I, I, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Later on to the Corinthian church, Paul said, I, I, his strength is made perfect in what? My weakness. We are called to bring all of our strength such as it is. No less than what God gives us and no more than what we have. And our merciful God meets us in that and empowers us. This is the kind of idea uh, in the scriptures behind the mustard seed of faith. Man, I got this much faith, God. He's like, you got that much faith? We can move mountains. You bring it to me. This is the idea of the widow's might. She gave a little bit, but man, it was all she had. This is the idea of the little boy who brought the fish and the loaves when he was going to feed the the crowds. He brought all, he brought just this much. Basically, we go, I got this much, Jesus. Can you do anything with that? It's all I got. (laughs) Jesus goes, can I do anything with that? Let's rock this. And so we come and bring everything. And Jesus meets us in that and epic things happen. We love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, 
and all of our mind and all of our strength. It's all of us. It's every part of us. Again, it's not, it's not just these four. The point of this sermon, friends, is we love him with every part of us. And if you're a singer or a studier or a server, and you also add these other things to what loving God looks like. And in the end, we simply become people who say, God, it's all about you, and all of me is here. And that's what we do as a church. Pray that God would continue to challenge us. We walk through this love series about what it looks like for us to love our God.